Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. Welcome to the Mini Break, your daily podcast for the biggest storylines, results, and controversies from the tennis world. Today is Tuesday, January 7th. It feels so good to say it, so I'm going to say it again to start today's podcast. We are back. The 2020 season in full swing now. We've got three WTA events, an ATP event in Doha, as well as the ATP Cup Challengers and Futures events throughout the globe, and we are so excited to break it all down here at the Mini Break podcast. Joining me on today's pod for the first co-podcast of the 2020 season, you know him as the host of the Wednesday episode of the Mini Break Podcast, a former Denison men's tennis superstar. I, of course, affectionately refer to him as James Foster McDonald. Jamie, welcome back to the Mini Break. Hey, hey, feels good to be back. It, it's crazy. We, I feel like we spent four or five months saying, oh, the offseason's too short. It's only a month. How are these players going to recover? And yet I can say full-heartedly, I miss tennis so much. It's so nice to have results to break down again. I know it is really nice, but also we're, we're not always like, well, you especially are not like most humans. So in that <laughs> regard, I'm not terribly surprised. Yeah, two things can be true. You're right. And I'm sure some of the players are like, oh my God, we have to head to Australia uh, already. And they just weren't ready for that. Maybe Alex Zverev's like, oh, I shouldn't have gone on that tour with Federer. I could have used an off season for myself. And that's something we can explore later on. As I mentioned, the events we're going to talk about today, the big one on everyone's mind, ATP Cup, some of the ATP and WTA actions sprinkled throughout. And then of course, we at Cracked Rackets are fortunate enough to be the official media partners of this week's annual. Arbor Challenger, part of the Oracle Pro Series events. Uh, myself, Chris Halioris, who you obviously know through our podcast, are doing the play-by-play commentary for the night matches, as well as from the quarterfinals on through to the finals. So hopefully you listeners will be able to go check out our unofficial sponsor, Livestream.com backslash ATP, to check out our work there. Need to hear that constructive criticism. I'm sure I had some of my podcast-isms translate over to the live stream, and you know I'm always down to be corrected. But Jamie, as I mentioned, the place I want to start today with the ATP Cup because I think that's the event that the event that's really captured the imaginations of tennis fans and the attention of tennis fans thus far in the 2020 season. I know it's really early, but again, for context for our listeners, and I went through some of this on yesterday's solo pod. I'm going to repeat it today so that Jamie and I can go a little back and forth on the topic. You know, usually early in the year, you do have some lower levels, some 250s, uh, some international events on the WTA side sprinkled in, and then there's Hopman Cup. But Jamie, it feels like this ATP Cup event, which does have points on the line, but is also supposed to be more towards the Labor Cup model than an official event. It's felt like it has really mattered thus far. It feels like the tennis we've seen has been of the highest caliber. It feels like a lot of the players in this draw, particularly the the young guys, come into this event feeling they have something to prove. And I think thus far through, what, five days, the ATP Cup has been a major success. What would you say to that? 
Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think all the way up and down, right? Not only just getting down to the most granular level of like just each player's sort of, you know, high level, high caliber throughout the matches. I mean, that's been phenomenal. But the team dynamic here, getting back on the court, I mean, I think this is a phenomenal way to kick off 2020. I think really, like you said, it, it has been a success. And it's cool to see even top guys like Djokovic really sink into the team environment, right? Like that in and of itself, I was like, man, you're telling me Djokovic is getting fired up, this fired up. I mean, you should have seen him yelling in some doubles. I mean, the, the guy was going nuts. And, and that's something you love to see, especially of a guy who... He doesn't need any more accolades, least of all an ATP Cup, anything, right? And yet he's still out here giving it his all and pumping himself up with the team. So things like that you really got to love to see. And it, and it reminds us sometimes what we're missing without a team dynamic. You see Monfils and Benoit Paire for Team France jumping up and down. And if I'm a player for Team France, there is nothing in the world I would want more. I mean, it, you're right. The team atmosphere, because it's so difficult to find in tennis outside of you know doubles, I suppose, as a team, but we're talking three to five players, which is what we're seeing at this ATP Cup event. It's why events like Davis Cup, putting it all in that one week at the end of the year, I thought that went more successfully than you may have, than you know, what was perceived to probably have was projected to happen, excuse me, before that event occurred. Obviously, Laver Cup, a huge fan favorite. Hopman Cup in the past, a big fan favorite. But it helps when you have 17 of the top 20 players all buying in and playing this event. You extend that a little bit further. You know, it's 19 of the top 22. We're only missing Berrettini, Wawrinka, and Federer, and everyone else seems to be there. And I think it's twofold because you all, you know, an event is always going to be better when the best players are there. I think it also helps that a lot of these players are young guys with things to prove, not necessarily at this event, but just coming into the 2020 season, you look at a guy, you know, two of the big standouts who I talked about at length, but we can get into here. Dennis Shapovalov and Alex Dimenauer. I know Shapovalov lost a three-set match to Dimenauer, and that's his only loss thus far for Dimenauer. He's beaten Zverev in three sets. He beat, obviously, Shapovalov as well. Now, I think he plays his third match today. These are two young guys who we talked about in the offseason, Jamie, of you know, they're both 1999ers. I think they both turned 21 this season. Uh, and they both have done things earlier in their career for Shapovalov the way he ended last season, getting his first title in Stockholm, making that Masters final in Paris for Dimenauer. Uh, the, you know, just the, the level he has shown at majors, three out of five sets, physically what he is capable of. I think he made his first uh, ATP 500 final in Geneva where he lost to Federer at the end of last year. They were two guys who were circled because they're the age range results-wise where it's obvious they could make a jump. And what we've seen from them through this first, you know, two, three days of competition, it speaks to the fact that I think these are two guys who could, you know, very easily find themselves hovering, maybe even entering that top 10 at some point during the season if this is the level they're going to show. Definitely. I mean, look at a guy like Shapovalov, someone I wanted to talk about, because I know I know you talked about Dimenauer quite a, uh, quite a bit on yesterday's pod. And look, yeah, what Dennis is at what, like 14 right now? So, I mean, yeah, he's certainly With within. the ATP Cup wins, live ranking right now, new career high, number 13. Yeah, so he's in striking distance, to say the least. Um, and so, for me, yes, they've been so impressive. I think one thing, just sort of selfishly, and granted, hey, it's, it's the essence of, of, you know, the sport we love, right? But it's sad to see them... It's going to be sad to see them taken out of this team environment because I, I just feel like 
That's not a really only good does point. it, yeah, like it, it it adds not only to the emotion, right, but it honestly adds to the quality of tennis, right? They're playing for their team, and and that adds something. You know, you're not just on an island out there. Um, and Can so I just whether, to jump yeah. on that point? You are completely erect, and for uh, you are completely erect. Well, I'll leave that in. That's terrible. <laughs> hey, great job, but you are completely correct. You're not wrong. Uh, what? For- <laughs> Um, no, but for, that's really funny. For Denis Shapovalov, think about the scenes where we saw him play his best tennis at Laver Cup at the end mm-hmm. of the year, at Davis Cup at the end of the year, and now carry over here. There's something to a young player who keeping your emotions in check is always one of the most difficult parts of ascending the rankings. I mean, we saw Alex Virov crack a racket already this week, and that's something we're always going to circle with him. But you're right. When Shapovalov has a team to turn to of people he knows believe in him, it 100% brings out his best tennis for Alex Dimenauer. We saw him do a shoulder shimmy. I didn't know he, you know, his personality keeps shining through more and more. And you're absolutely right. That's something we're always missing in the individual aspect of tennis. And that the joy that team atmosphere brings them has certainly improved the level we see on court. Yeah. And I think too, just to get it like to, I don't know, one match in particular that just sort of embodies it. I mean, that Shapovalov Dimenauer match, ton of things you can say about it. But ultimately, here's the deal. Shapovalov was up, but Dimenauer, he doesn't give up, nor does Team Australia. Honestly, that team environment on the Aussie side probably won him the match. Not entirely. Of course, Dimenauer played some t- great tennis to get him there, get him back on track. Shapo was up big in that match, completely could have and probably should have closed the door. But that fighting spirit from both Dimenauer and the Aussie team allowed him to get back and then cross the finish line. And so things like that can switch so quickly when you're in a team environment. And I don't know, it's it's just obviously as someone who's partial to college tennis and um, you know, I, you just love that sort of dynamic, right? It, it's going to be sad um, when it goes back to just our normal draws of 64 or whatnot. But um, for right now, I'm just, I'm just loving it. Could not agree with you more. The level of tennis has been spectacular. And again, as we mentioned at the top, this is the first tangible results we're really seeing in the 2020 yeah. season. Mubadala, you know, it's an exhibition. We saw some tennis, but you're not going to get a lot out of that. That felt much more like an exhibition event than this, where, as you mentioned, I mean, Rafa's playing. Like, I, mm-hmm. Djokovic is playing. Djokovic, who got he played the doubles rubber despite the fact that he's still nursing that elbow injury. Uh, you get things like Kevin Anderson on the comeback, and he had a really good win. Uh, I want to say it was 0-3 yesterday uh, in this tournament. And, you know, again, we he's a guy top 10, just the physical skills he presents. God, my voice is cracking nonstop tonight. Yeah, you've been talking a lot. It's all right. Yeah, you know, I've, we'll I've, give you a pass. Well, the <laughs> thing is, I've tried not to talk too much on the live stream. That's why I'm like, dang, I must have really— Really talk too much on the stream. It adds up. It adds up. Yeah, it's certainly. But Anderson got that 0-3 win over Christian Guerin. Um, mm-hmm. That was the win he had yesterday. And, I mean, Guerin's a top 30 player. Kevin Anderson, the physical tools he has, I think if he's healthy, there's no reason he can't get himself back into that top 15, top 10 range. And you're right. The play we have seen has been uh, outstanding. I really do think, and I know we've talked about it specifically with Shapovalov and Dimenauer, but there's a list of players you could add to this. You know, Daniil Medvedev, not that he needed to prove himself, but his level seems to have certainly, he's, he's sustained it. Uh, a little stuttering Stanley there, but 
he has sustained that level since uh, the end of 2019. You look at guys like Borna Chorich, who got a big win over Dominic Team. You know how much that will mean to him, given how much he struggled at the end of last year. And then, you know, it's guys like Hubert Hurkacz, who has looked so good thus far in his matches. He has wins uh, over Borna Chorich. He beat him 2-2. Two and two. He got a three-set win over Schwartzman in his first match. I think there really is something to these young guys. They're they're ready. I mean, so many of them now. You have a menu of options. I didn't even mention Stefano Tsitsipas, who lost a 7-6, 7-6, no-break first match to Denis Shapovalov, which, again, if that's the first match we're getting of 2020, I think that bodes really good things for this next-gen crew. Um, but these young guys... They seem more prepared, and maybe, again, it's one event. Sample size is small, but they have looked really good thus far, and it's, you know, it's the majority of them. Even Fritz has looked pretty good for Team America, and it's just they all seem ready to take that next level to make the ATP Tour about their generation. Yeah, I think so. And and in a way, obviously, they're all competing against one another, right? But at the same time, you know, they're not naive. And I mean, they see that they're also doing this together, right? And so that adds to the competition, adds to the rivalry that will, you know, be building as they go throughout their careers. But it's also part of being together, I mean, right? Like a lot of these guys are friends on the tour. And so um, it's just a very cool dynamic that coupled with the fact that you have a team environment built in when you're representing your country, plus that country pride. I mean, there's there's just so many different things there. And, and you're right. They're really um, taking this event well, and they're taking it on their shoulders, right? These big matches, these big results that we're seeing, this is kind of, you know, two guys in particular, but the, the match that just finished, Chapo just took on Zverev, of course, another young guy, but a guy who's been a little more established at the top. Shapovalov just absolutely dusted him off the court. It was 6-2, 6-2. It wasn't even a competition. So a lot of things you can say there. But, I mean, to me, that the story of that match is just Shapovalov taking the team on his shoulders, wanting this win, and going out and getting it. And so the more attitude that you're seeing like that, the better this event's going to be. And it's you're right. It's because of those young guys who are carrying the weight of it on their shoulders. And it's a ton of fun to see. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. And we should mention we are recording this Monday night for Tuesday, so the score's on right now. Russia leads 1-0 over Norway. Medvedev Rude going on court now. Uh, Great Britain secured a 2-0 win over, I believe, who did they play? Um, they played... I will get back to that, but they got two singles wins from Evan and Nori. And then Team Canada, uh, they are 1-1 right now with Germany. You mentioned uh, that Shapovalov win over Zverev Struf, also a 6-1-6-4 winner over FAA. FAA now falls to 1-2 and two in this event. Although I think the loss to Millman, given that it was at home, we were sort of jostling about this before mm-hmm. the start of the podcast. I'm, I'm willing to write off this event for FAA, uh, but I didn't want to do this without having someone to you know maybe put me in my place acknowledge that it's a small sample size but Alex Virov has looked not you know in Yiddish it's Nishgit he has looked not good thus far in this ATP Cup and one has to wonder because the worst case scenario Jamie in my opinion for Zverev would be to start 2020 off with just a first week Australian Open exit I mean that that would be awful that's just continuing the same pattern the narrative continues on for another season and for him to go 
you know, I thought the level through the first set and a half versus Dimenauer, that was a really good match. I think even though he lost that one, his level overall was very, very solid. Shapoval against Shapovalov, and then in the subsequent match, I'm trying to think who he lost that second one to, against Tsitsipas as well when he lost one in four. The confidence is just not there, and the serve was a problem last year. The serve is a problem right now. You have to wonder, as much you know, as much a, a great of an opportunity, both you know, culturally to be on the road with Roger Federer, and I'm sure, obviously, financially for Zverev to take the trip he did across the world, hitting with Fed, playing exhibition matches. It makes sense, but at the same time, you have to wonder if this is a guy who just. This was not the off. He didn't approach the off season the way everyone else did, and is that going to have an effect? So, I don't know. I don't know if I can conclusively look at any of his results and say he did something on the off season wrong because, as we see, was very a lot of the time, and at least recently in parts of 2019, even parts of 2018 as well. But let's just keep it more recent in 2019, and then now, a lot of the issues are still persisting, and so I'm not sure. I don't know. Some of the mental issues, I'm not sure you can say, hey, if you would have trained X way over the offseason instead, you would be doing much better at this. I, I don't know. Um, I think for him right now, I'll, I'll toss a metaphor on you here for, for a bit. Just uh, <clears throat> just walk through me with this one. So essentially, this crew, this crew, this crop of young guys, I mean, Zverev was the leader of that pack, right? Um, he got, he got, he completely rose through the ranks, right? He got all the way up to three. Um, and so he's been playing this game where he's basically been in first place and it's not been close. He's been, and now people are closing in, right? People like Medvedev after their 2019s. And so he's been in first place for a long time. He's running around the track. He's looking good. And now he's starting to look behind him and he's seeing all these people catch up. Right. And so now it's getting to a point where it's just in his head. He's like, oh, they're all performing better and getting better and better. Why am I not? Then he's having lackluster results. I mean, he's having all sorts of just mental issues. He's getting incredibly frustrated on the court. Um, he's having bad losses. Just, I'm sorry, just like that loss to Shapovalov is a bad loss. Two and two. Like, come on. You know, and so I think it's just a lot of things. I think he's frustrated. I think he's in his own head about it because he's looking at these results and just shaking his head. He's saying, why is this happening? You know, you see it. In each match, he's looking at his box, he's negative, he's shaking his head, he's throwing rackets. So, I mean, this one to me is difficult. So, at least to answer your question, no, I don't think it's fair to say that's because of the offseason. Maybe he could have done some things differently, um, but we wouldn't even be questioning that ha- you know, if he's not showing these bad results at the ATP Cup. So, for right now, obviously, sample size is very small. I think you're right. If he goes to Australian Open and has a really bad exit, um, then yeah, it, it's it's time to go back to the drawing board, and it's time for him to reevaluate a few things. Yeah, I mean, I think you hit it all there. It's the only thing is some of these ATP Cup matches, you know, you do get points from them, and True. there was a fantastic my, my Twitter debate of the decade is already going to go to the Noah Rubin Riley Opelka exchange on you know some guys get 19 events, Riley only gets 18 events because he's not playing this, and that is a problem for ATP Cup, and it's a, one that I think we can talk about when the event is over to sort of see how the rankings are affected. Uh, but you think about it, a guy like Denis Shapovalov, 150 singles points from winning these matches at the ATP Cup thus far. That's from Jose Morgado on Twitter, and that's helpful. It's going to get him to a new career high of number 13. It's the equivalent of making a final at the 250 level. That's a nice little boost, and I'm sure Zirev, given the year he had, would have liked that little boost because it's not only that, it's that he's playing his biggest contemporaries, as as you mentioned, and 
It's just it, it's not the way he wanted to start 2020, especially. But look, we we've talked about a lot of the guys. There are too many results to go through each individual one. But are there any other players who have stood out for you for the right or wrong reasons, perhaps that you want to mention uh, before I just give a quick standings recap and then we move on? Yeah, so couple a couple on the positive side and then one on the negative. So I, I tried to at least somewhat avoid ones you've talked about. I, on the positive side, I'll talk about one. Dan Evans. Um, you know, <clears throat> we just you know we just Who, by talked the a little way, bit about they beat Moldova. That's yeah, the country I, they I, so I was gonna I was gonna toss that in for you, but uh, <laughs> yes, he did just beat Albot of Moldova two and two, which Radu Albot is not bad. That's a good win for Dan Evans. Um, also in this so far, he beat Gofen in straight sets. I believe that was four and four. That's another Very good, good win. Yeah. And also, you know, the first ma- singles match that we saw him compete in was against Dimitrov, who looked pretty good, and that was a tight tight three set match so so far to me i mean dan evans right now he's what like 42 um so he's looking pretty good for somebody who's you know basically just top 50 right now he's looking pretty solid i think he's one of those guys who he knows where his game is it's just a matter of um really executing once he gets in the match and so that's what i've been really impressed with so far that win over gofen and then the win over albot today um very impressive so to me, he's looking pretty solid. Um, I think he's definitely looking to sort of get back on the right track, right? I mean, obviously, we don't have to – we can spare the details and, and sort well, of his I'll just last say this. few years. With these wins, he's up to number 37 in the live rankings, which would be a career high for him. He's jumping, right. And so I, it's good to see him getting back on track. There's plenty of career left for Dan Evans. He's only 29. Um, and so if he can get this figured yeah, out, you know – 29 and a half, but, you know, with the uh, – Additional okay. years he's really? put on his body. He's probably an active 31 if you catch my drift. Okay. just He's rolling black the clock. I don't know what you're talking about. No, but no, he, he's looked good, uh, long story short. And I think um, this is going to sort of position him well for 2020. This, this is some uh, good tennis to get his confidence up. Um, anytime you're beating a guy like GoFen in straight sets, you're, you're definitely going to be feeling good about your game. So he's got to be feeling good. I think the other one, a young guy that we touched on a tiny bit, Casper uh, Root. Um, representing Norway he has looked really good another one of these young guys and I feel like he's just come out here and gotten great wins right he beats Isner um, and then he beats Fonini in straight sets um, I think breaks Isner by the way 7-6 yes. a 12-10 breaker and then a 7-5 third set yes exactly so he, he kept his composure and was able to get that done and of course unfortunate for us to see as as the uh, you know Team America guys, but yeah, I mean, you, you got to respect it for Casper Ruud, and then obviously the the straight set win over Fognini, which he just dominated, um, and now I mean he's got the real test coming up. You know, of course we record these at night, but um, with the one that's about to happen, he's about to take the stage against Medvedev. So if he were to pull something off there, that would be incredibly impressive. But especially for the 21 year old here who's looking um, to be top 50. He's looked really, really good to me, um, and so I think once again this is going to do nothing but just provide some confidence for him coming into um, the year, and, and I think 2020 is going to be a good year for him. Um, you know, we've seen him have success on the clay, so that's going to be good a little bit later in the season. But this is good to see him get some hard court wins um, under his belt. Once again, give him that confidence boost. I will say on the negative side, um, real quick, Casper Ruud up? Uh, up to number <laughs> up to number forty six in the live rankings. That yeah. would be a career high for him with yep. these ATP Cup results. So, yeah, I Top mean, 50. he's got that. He's got that. I think the Houston final right on the U.S. Men's yep. Clay Court Championships, but. Uh, I mean, a guy who doesn't have that many slams under his belt, fresh no, into the top 100 range, going to get to play the Masters events too. So I agree with you. Could be a big rankings jump from him. 
By the way, they are on court right now. He will be serving to start the match. So I guess good luck to him as he takes and, on Medvedev. And you say I'm the play-by-play host. Yeah, well, hey, you know. <laughs> you don't say For that. now. <laughs> <laughs> if only I were in Michigan, we'll say that much. Um, <laughs> and then on the negative side, just because I will give you one, I think the one that's been disappointing for me has been Pablo Cuevas so far. Um, <laughs> honestly, just some bad results. Like there's really no way to get around it. I mean – He's, he's played two matches. Granted, one's against Nadal, so that's tough. But he's played two matches and won four games, I think, um, in singles. Yeah, that's so, yeah, I mean, to get routed, what was it, 0-1 against Nishioka, um, is just like, it's just not acceptable. Um, and then the 2-1 and one against Nadal, more understandable, but still just a beatdown. Um, so, unfortunate from him. Obviously, Cuevas, a guy who we've seen have more success on clay than anything else, but on uh, on any surface, you should be able to um, put together a little bit more than that. So I'm sure he's disappointed in it as well, so I don't need to belabor it there. But in terms of a negative performance I've seen so far, I'd have to go with Cuevas. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, Zverev, obviously, we mentioned he's sure. 0-3. Fabio Fognini enters the day 0-2. Um, Radu Elbot, 0-3. That's, ugh. Uh, Isner, 0-2. That's, you know, I'm sure he, that, that match with Rude, he'd want to take back. But the Medvedev beatdown he took, that obviously does not bode well. Uh, so hopefully he's able to turn that around, get a quick, you know, an ending win for Team USA uh, as they take on, I believe... Who do they play in their last match? I think they're going to play Italy. So that'll be, a, you know, Isner Fonini, a battle of winless guys. Yep. Uh, that's what we want to see. Uh, so, yeah, a, a lot of fun ATP Cup action still to go, and I'm sure we will talk about that more as the week goes on. But quickly to end the podcast, I want to talk about the other events going on in the world because the ATP schedule and WTA now back completely underway. Uh, let's just quickly knock out this ATP event in Qatar, the Qatar Exxon Mobile Open, properly named in my opinion. Uh, <laughs> first round matches all now, or nope, not all completed. Top half of the draw completed. Uh, no huge upsets in terms of that. Stan Wawrinka going to play Chardy tomorrow, who is a th- Chardy. Uh, Chardy, who is a three-set winner. But Dene, three sets over Mikhail Yimmer. Sasha Bublik, the one upset over seven-seed Manorino. Uh, Mute over Sandgren. Verdasco over Anduhar, Philip Krajinovic, the number six seed, a four six six three six three winner over Kyle Edmund, Miomir Kasmenovic, another nineteen ninety nine. Or he sees Shapovalov and Dimenauer having success. He says, "So can I." A four and two winner over Jordan Thompson. He'll play Joe Wilfred Songa. Uh, I believe tomorrow. So you look at that event, uh, one guy who stands out, Andre Rublev, who's again, probably like, how could I not be good enough at the end of the year to play singles on this team, Russia? And Hatchinov is probably like, you know, win the Paris Masters, my guy. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, for him, he's the two seed here. Francis Tiafo, the eight seed, desperate to get points before that Australian Open quarterfinal comes off of his record. I mean, you look at this Doha draw. What do you? I, I, rather than ask for a winner, what are you trying to learn from these guys? You know, what are you trying to learn from this this week? Yeah, it's interesting. I feel like this event. I don't know why, but you know, gets back to what we are expecting from beginning of the year events. For some reason, the ATP Cup feels different because really there's well not put. that. Could not agree more. It just, it's just, it just feels different, which is good. And I feel like I expect to see more rust from the players in these random um, 250s, 500, whatever, at the beginning of the year, as opposed to the ATP Cup. And I don't know why, um, but it's just, I've seen it before. I mean, I think for me, um, it, it coming out of this draw in particular, I think one guy I'm looking at, if I had to circle one person, would be Raonic, um, just because we really 
don't know what he's up to, right? He's the four seed. Um, we, because of injury and a lot of other things, we haven't seen much of Milos. Um, so I think trying to understand where he's at, if he can come back to being a point where, to a point where he's a big contender in big time tournaments, that would be great. Um, but that, that's one I'm definitely circling. Um, you know, of course, me, I'm partial to Stan. So, you know, being able to see what he can do, I, I'm going to be interested in. Um, and then I think the other one that I'm definitely watching is Tiafo because this is a really, this is make or break for him um, in this tournament. This is a big, I know it's not the biggest tournament, but this is important for him. Not for only for points, but for confidence. Um, general just appearance on tour now. I mean, I, I think he's got to make a stand in a tournament like this. Stan Wawrinka, overrated, underrated social media follow. Social media follow. I don't know. Um, because you see his photos, under, and I'd, there's a lot of shirtless photos. You're going to get a lot of Stan abs, which true. credit to him. He used to be chubby. He's worked for them as someone who also used to be chubby. When you're skinny and you got it, you like to show it off. So you don't get that even from him. compare. Don't even. No, I'm not. But I'm saying, first of all, I get the mindset. I'm going to do a though, side by side on Instagram. I'm going to need a shirtless <laughs> pic from you later just to humiliate you. <laughs> No, but I'm saying, like, you're going to get a lot of him in pools. You're going to get a lot of him on yachts or on a a lot of sunsets, a lot of food. He's a big food Instagram guy. I'm saying the modern day follow, I suppose he's good at the same time. It's a lot. It's a lot, but I would say I would say it's it's usually entertaining. Also, he does use way too many emojis. That's wild. He's got to stop that. But no, I mean, it is a good follow because he'll also just do, he'll also answer um, follower questions pretty frequently. Um, I didn't say good. I said overrated or underrated. I would say underrated, honestly. Um, I think think if you want some entertainment from a guy on the tour, give him a follow. If you really hate it, you can get rid of it. But um, I think it's a pretty good investment. That's true. I've never been mad at a Stan Wawrinka Yeah, it's just tweet. been, yeah. I, you just laugh. You're like that. Yeah, you're ridiculous. like, all right, you're an idiot. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's I, true. I, I'm, I'm with that. Yeah, all right. So properly rated. We can say properly rated. I think that's fair. Yeah, for the most part. I'll I'll lean more toward underrated, though, because I I still think he's a good follow. All right, that's fair. Again, we have our different preferences. I'm more of a – God, I'm trying to think who's my – I mean, uh, don't (laughs) – Follow Sergei Stakovsky if you like trolls, uh, because some of the things he says, you're just like, oh, my – I think think Paul – you know Paul T. Tennis? Mm Mm-hmm. I swear to God, Sergey Stakovsky, that's just his burner account. And that's just, and I know Paul Timmons is a real person. I mean, I've spoken with him, but okay. you can't convince me that it's not his. Yeah. Yeah. Name dropping. Yeah. Well, I'm name dropping Paul T. If that becomes a thing, shout out to Tennis Twitter. If that's a big name drop. Um, but yeah, it's just like, to me, that's the doppelganger. But uh, yeah, all right. Enough of that. There are other results. So I guess we don't have to do those sort of tangents anymore. That's a December thought. Uh, let's, let's move to the WTA because, again, three tournaments there, one premier, two international events. Let's start with the premier because we've got the number one player in the world, Ashley Barty, in play there. Her opponent yet to be determined in terms of some of the results we've had so far. Sloan Stevens, not the start she wanted. She loses a three-set match to Samansova. Uh, Danielle Collins, 1-1 one one over Svitolina. Putin Seva up a set 4-3 in the second against Vekic. Stozer straight sets over Kerber, 6-6. Six six. Madison Keys, a 3-2 winner over Buzkova. Uh, Sophia Kennan, 6-4 over Sevastova. Ali Risk knocks out Mukova four and two. Stritskova in three sets over Kanta. 
and Tomjanovic over Han to set up a battle with the number two seed, Karolina Pliskova. Again, you look at this, and I know we'll talk about Serena in a different draw, but you're looking at this international field, and what are the things that stand out to you? Or this, sorry, this uh, premier event field, Jamie, what stands out to you? With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Can we just really quick get a, uh, a nice round of applause for the Daniel Collins one and one win over Svitolina? Absolutely. <laughs> Watch off. Give me an applause. That is just huge. There's nothing else you can say besides well, can that. Can we right? say another player who is certainly feeling the burden of an Australian Open semifinal coming off of her resume? Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, fair enough. But you're just looking at this result. That's one that stands out right away. Um, no, I mean, I think obviously anytime you have a bunch of Americans in action, we're going to be interested. But um, you've got a lot of different people who are just very dangerous in this draw, right? I mean, Osaka's on court right now. Um, of course, you got to love the old Aussie name, Sam Stoser, coming up with that 6-6 six and six win. you got to wonder where she's at with her game. Ali um, so, Risco for Mukova. That's a big yeah, result. I think Mukova was a semifinalist, right? Yeah, so yeah. Um, big win for her. Yeah, so lots of good wins, at least on the American side. Like you said, Sloan Stevens, not the way she wanted, but a lot of the other Americans looking good so far. So, yeah, of course, you're looking to see can the Americans sort of keep some momentum and go far in a tournament like this, build build up some confidence before the, the first major of the year, of course. Um, and then, you know, for me, the the sort of interesting story, it's Sam Stoser. I don't know why. It's, it's intriguing. I want to see how she's doing. Um, you know, gets a win over Kerber which you know who knows where Kerber is with her game right now at the moment but um Sam Stoser sort of on this where's she at right she's 35 um she's gonna be turning 36 in a couple months right so um she's one where you know can she have a big 2020 make a big difference and make some deep runs I don't know right she's what barely in the top 100 on the WTA right now so um you never really know but a name like that you, you can never take lightly either so Things like that always intrigue me. Sam Stoser, number 97 right now in the live rankings, and that's the Aussie U-turn to the one I'm talking about, Ashley Barty, who, Fair enough. I mean, wins her first major last year, so proficient across all three surfaces, and uh, as ready as people are to have an Osaka Andrescu, you know, 2020s domination, just watch them battle it out for slam after slam after slam. Uh, I have a tangent in me on Belinda Bencic in this category as well, but Ashley Barty's the one who could be like, no, 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 no. This is my time. This is my turn. And I, you know, the level she showed, obviously, that the way she ended her year losing that Fed Cup final had to have burned uh, because she she won everything else last year until that final rubber. Um, but yeah, I just I'm really excited to watch her to her 2020 season get underway. I think for Carolina Pliskova at age 27 again until she wins one. The question is, is this the season she gets a slam and hard courts being her best surface? She's always a favorite entering Australia. It'll be good to see her form. Oh, yeah, it's a loaded draw here. It's a loaded draw elsewhere as well. In Shenzhen, you look at the draw, um, not quite to the level perhaps as say. Um, our, our international in Brisbane, but you've got Belinda Bencic up a set right now. Uh, 
Garbine Muguruza, the sixth seed, she won her first match in three sets. Alexandrova, the five seed, a winner. Rybakina, the seven seed, a winner. Mertens over Saranko, the number eight seed, Zhang, a winner. We've got Sabalenka, the two seed, she gets a win as well. So it's not just there, it's as we mentioned also in Auckland, in New Zealand, where guess what? It's Serena Williams time. We have her now uh, back in 2020, her third decade of tennis. She is the number one seed here and is currently playing Georgie. She held there about, Georgie's about to hold for one all. Uh, so she gets her season underway. We already saw Coco Goff get her first victory. Amanda Nisimova gets a win as well. Jeannie Bouchard, a winner over Flipkins. Garcia, the eight seed, three sets over a player I know we both love in Taylor Townsend, who, by the way, had a behind the rack. Uh, Instagram post talking about what she's gone through off the court that I promise listeners you should absolutely go check out because it's it's wonderful. Uh, Pedersen, the first seed, it seems like, who's lost the six seed. She's out. Cece Bellis back in action, but a first-round loser to Jessica Pagula. Petra Martic at 6-4 in the third over the young American Arcanada. So, Jamie, we've got a full slate this weekend. I mean, if you were to give listeners, I guess, where are your eyes going to be in terms of order of operations, you know, because there's a lot of events tomorrow. I'd probably go yeah. ATP Cup is what I'm watching closest, then Brisbane, mm-hmm. then this WTA in Auckland, yeah. then Doha, and then probably our last WTA event. Yeah. Um, yeah, that, that I'm good with that order. That sounds about right. Um, yeah, I think really depends on you know time of day too, right? That's that's the interesting thing. Since we're all over the world, whichever one you're able to catch at a reasonable hour, take advantage of that because there's good tennis all over the place. Uh, we'll say real quick to go to Serena Williams. So it's her it's her fourth decade, right? Is it not fourth decade? I forgot ninety nine. That's yeah. ridiculous. Yeah, it's her fourth decade. So yeah. she's really been around for you know <laughs> quite stud. a while. So yeah. I think the stud. question at this point for for her is always surrounding is like, oh, is she going to get another major? You know. Um, we don't need to have that conversation now. Yeah, Serena Williams, time for it. underrated or overrated? Uh, don't no, even give me that. <laughs> yeah, just, <laughs> just get out of here. <laughs> uh, no, but I think the yeah, bottom line, there's a ton of different tennis to watch, um, and there's a ton of high quality tennis to watch. Even and, if you're, uh, even if you're listening to poor Gruskin on the Challenger Tour. Well, you, you know? beat me too. The best part about January is there's literally 24 hours of tennis, and not yeah. saying Australia doesn't have challengers and stuff throughout the year, but. Challengers going out throughout the day, two in Australia, obviously in Ann Arbor, where we'll be all week on the play-by-play commentary, myself and Chris Halioris, uh, going to try and do as many of those matches as we can, but we will be there for the entire quarterfinals, semifinals, and finals, uh, so be on the lookout for that, uh, I'm sure Dalton and crew will be tweeting out the links, so please just get, you know, if, if, if you like this podcast, I, I think you'll like watching a match alongside of, of us as well. It's like a live simulcast, which is something we've been trying to get into for so long. And now it's a real thing. So very excited for that, but very excited to break down all of this tennis as the 2020 season kicks off. And if you've missed any of our content, you need to catch up on our off season previews. You can find all of our work at our website, crackedrackets.com for the more immediate updates, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. The accounts are at cracked rackets. Mini break will be chugging along all week long as we you know try and break down it's a what one two three four five six five atp and wta events plus all the challenger and future level stuff so you know tennis season when it comes back it comes back hard there's no uh, easing into it and we will be with you all week long jamie uh, i imagine you and matt are gonna be talking atp cup tomorrow I think that's right, my man. I will. Uh, I will certainly start uh, planting the seeds with Matt. I already texted him tonight about it, so um, we're going to be ready to rock. And I'm. I have no doubt, no shortage of confidence that there's going to be some great tennis to talk about from the ATP Cup. So I'm excited. 
Yeah, absolutely. We are so excited for this 2020 season to kick off. We are also always excited to get to work with our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, who have a f*** of an editing job to do as always. And again, they're probably the only people who are like, oh no, it's back uh, because now the podcast <laughs> volume obviously increases. But with that in mind, for my wonderful co-host, James Foster McDonald, whose lovely tones you will hear radiating through our Wednesday mini break podcast, for our super producers, Max Fligner and Daniel Westoff, and from our entire teams at both Cracked Rackets and the Tennis Channel Podcast Network. I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. Jamie, what do we tell our listeners? That's a break. And we will see you all tomorrow. Thanks, everyone. Thanks, everyone.